0: Today, Alex McCaw and I interview Sid Sijbrandage, CEO of GitLab, who explains what it's like to run the largest intentionally remote company in the world and the culture that has developed as a result. And you mentioned this before, Sid, you mentioned that you still at GitLab have to continually reinforce this asynchronous asynchronous communication, putting it in the manual. So what specifically do you mean by that? What, what's an example of a communication that people do
1: not the way you want them to, and then sure. you have to remind them to do it the correct sure. way? Today, um, one team said, okay, we need a knowledge management tool. Our handbook is the best knowledge management tool that of any company. I've never seen a more comprehensive knowledge management tool than our handbook. But it's, They're not familiar with the tools. It's tedious, so they want something simpler. And I can't blame them; they're right. So it's super hard to reinforce that. And we have a whole section about why wikis are probably not going to scale to be your uh, to be your handbook. Today, a, a leader showed me like the plan. His department it was these sections organized by that, and he immediately he shows it and it's like oh, I'm going to add it to the handbook. It's not how we work. We work handbook first. You make it in the handbook the proposal in the handbook from the start, but it was harder to do that. It didn't present as well. The graphs are not as nice. It's super, super, super hard. It's not intuitive. We've also signaled recently, Hey, we have too many meetings. We start defaulting back to meetings to educate people instead of me- having meetings to review proposals. Very, very hard. And so sit on that example
0: of your, your, your direct report before, you wanted him to put it in the handbook first, something that he wanted to show to you to basically get your approval. You wanted him to put it in the handbook first so everybody could see it. And is that so you could get feedback from the entire company and the entire
1: world about it before you even had to make a decision about it? It's, it's not about me versus other people. It's about, he put it in a, a sheet, uh, a Google sheet, instead of in the handbook. That means it's disconnected from everything else that's happening in that department. And it means that he didn't inc- he didn't think through everything that was going on in the department. Now he's the leader of the department, so he probably thought through it. But it also means I look at their handbook and it's hopelessly out of date. Because guess what? After he's taking the decision, how much motivation is there going to be to add it to the handbook? There's none. So the handbook becomes the documentation place. Oh yeah, I'll document it later. Like if you want to get in trouble at GitLab, tell tell me refer to the handbook as documentation because. It's not documentation, it is what we do. And otherwise, every single company I've known outside of GitLab, the handbook is out of date and no one, no one looks there. So the only way to drive it is to work handbook first. Who's so, in but, charge of
2: updating it? Is it yes. each team
1: is in charge of updating their own section? Yes, well, each page will have a list of maintainers and anybody can make a proposal, but those people kind of approve the proposals.
0: But Sid, what you're saying is radical. You're saying, I want your thoughts to be in the handbook. I want when you're just conceiving a draft idea, I want that to be in the
1: handbook. Yes, because we know that approving, like if it's not in the handbook from the start, it will not, it sometimes doesn't get there and it will always get there too late.
2: And it's it's like a shared brain for your company. It's kind of like yes. a collective brain. Yeah,
1: and we make software so we know how that runs. Humans are like the best interpreters in the world. You can just give them English prose and, and they'll be able to do that. They're even smarter. They sometimes don't listen to the prose and do something else. And 99% of the time, that's great. So it's even better. So, Sid, so sparks two thoughts.
0: One is you're now talking about truly radical transparency. And because you're, you, this is pre decision you are allowing the entire company in the child world to see what's going on. We allow
1: you to make suggestions. There's 5,000 pages of how we work, and you can edit every one of them and send me a proposal to change it. Amazing. We are about everyone can contribute
0: to software
1: with GitLab, to GitLab the software, and to GitLab the company. Are there any thoughts that are not allowed in the manual? Uh, we have uh, lots of things. We have 17 things that can be public. We have a policy of no politics at work. There's tons of stuff you can put in the handbook. Great. So, so a op- compens-
2: compensation, performance, these are things that you're not transparent about. Is that right?
1: I think that's, we're very transparent about how, what our compensation philosophy is. Mm-hmm. If you go to any of our job to uh, of our job families, you can see exactly what the ranges are, we will reward you at. However, you cannot find out what Darren earns, because we don't want you if you're in GitLab to be obsessed with whether G- Darren got a great performance review or a bad performance review. That's between Darren and his manager, right? That's none of your business. Because we want negative comfort, negative feedback to happen in the smallest possible audience. Mm-hmm. And to for the manager to be able to give critical feedback without worrying that it will affect the stature of that person within the team.
0: Yeah, that it will shame
1: him. In shame, pain. yeah. Well, it's just, look, if it's it's tough enough receiving negative feedback, having all your peers also take notice of that doesn't improve, doesn't doesn't set you up for success in overcoming it.
0: Yeah, thanks. Because
1: sense. certainly all the rest of the people, yeah, yeah, really doing that bad. They're just parroting the manager. It's so, a good segue. Can
2: I, can I segue into compensation? Uh, Cause we're, we're almost on time now and I, and I want it
0: back to you, Alex, by the way,
2: <laughs> I want to fit this <laughs> you in can't in. escape that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to fit this in. So CEOs are asking themselves, like, do we do geo adjusted salaries or not? And I wonder what your answer is to that and, and how you do salary internally.
1: Well, you do do geo-adjusted salaries. Yes. And so the for question us, is why? For more than for 100, 100 plus job families, for more than 200 regions in the world, you can find out what you're going to earn. We do adjust per region. And I think the vast majority of companies will do this because it makes sense. You don't want to pay to cost of living. You don't want to give everyone exactly the same. You want to pay market rate. The market is the best mechanism for determining what someone will earn. If you pay on the top end of the market, you will find that all your hires happen in low cost regions and they will never leave, even if they are dissatisfied with the company. Plus you could have hired twice as many people and get twice as much stuff done. If you pay at the bottom of the market, you also find only people in low cost regions, but that's another story.
2: And tactically, how do you determine what the market is? Then do you buy salary data?
1: Yeah, you buy salary data and you adjust that if a lot of people decline your offers or if people are leaving because they can earn more someplace else. And
2: that's by city, by state, by country?
1: Region, mostly in a lot of cities. Mm -hmm.
0: All right, so now let's come back to this. And Alex, maybe I should ask your permission. Are you willing for me to put you on the hot seat here?
2: Well, unfortunately, I just can't make <laughs> the, yes. unilateral decisions like that. I would think I would have a, a revolt. But if anything, this conversation has proven to me is that, yes, it, it is possible to run a remote company and solve the loneliness problem, which is, I think, for me, the, the, the biggest problem with remote. And, uh, and it's, gr- it's great to see that there are some tactical things that you
0: can do to solve that problem. So, so, maybe with that, then,
1: maybe we should wrap up, Sid, with asking you what, did, what should we have asked you that we didn't? What is the best way to find all these technical ways and to, to have a conversation with my team? And the answer to that is you go, you Google GitLab ebook, and you find a remote ebook with 50 pages of really the condensed information that, uh, that we're trying to, that we think is essential to taking care of creating connection and not having this loneliness while we are working remote.
0: Fantastic.
1: And then Darren, do you want to have, do you have anything else to add
2: to to wrap up?
3: I just think it's great that we're having this conversation. Um, I feel like uh, the pandemic is unfortunate, but one of the effects of it is that it's accelerated the global embrace of remote by at least 10 years. And it has democratized the conversation around it. I think it's huge for inclusivity. People now can, go into a job interview and just ask, what's your stance on workplace flexibility? What does remote look like? Is it just allowed? Is it supported? What does that look like? That's transformational for working parents, for caregivers, for military spouses, for people that have been ostracized. It's huge. It opens up opportunity in a huge way. So I think the second and third order effects of this are gonna be way, way more impactful for, for generations to come.
0: Agreed. Awesome. Thank you so much. And and then one little tiny thing before we thank you and wrap up is people are now going to go on droves and, and look at the remote handbook, but they are going to have questions. And what's the most effective way for them to get those questions answered? Um, and and who, who should they reach out to and how should they reach out? And don't make any commitments that you you know aren't doing already.
1: Darren, you want to take that one?
3: Yeah, I guess. Uh, you can reach out to us... Uh the GitLab Twitter handle, or you can follow me, Darren Murph, on LinkedIn or Twitter. And I'll do the best I can. The inbounds have been completely manic since COVID began, but uh, I'm rowing as hard as I can. So I want to I want to hear the questions. It helps make our handbook better.
1: Awesome. Fantastic, Guys, Thanks, that so was incredible. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Darren.